have a, a, a discussion. Anybody who would like to come about this discussion we've had we, that we've asked you as a church to pray for in uh, possibility of hiring a, a second minister and what that looks like and uh, just to outline some of the need. So you're, everybody's welcome tonight, 6 o'clock, and um, if you want to bring snacks to share, I'm sure that's great, and we can, we can just have a, a family discussion during that time. Uh, the elders now present a few things, and you can ask questions and clarification, all that kind of stuff, and we'll just uh, walk through that and see where, where God leads us. And, and again, continue to pray for, for uh, just as, as a church, that God continues to work in amazing ways through us, and, and that we can be people that try to get out of God's way and really let him work in, as he wants to among us. And that's, that's a great place to be in as a, as a community of people. All right, we're going to go into uh, Luke chapter 6. But before we get there, we're not going to get there yet. We're going to go somewhere else to start with. And, oh, I left my clicker over here. Excuse me for a second. Okay, so we're going to talk about something that Jesus speaks about today. Luke 6 is where we're going to be, so you can, you can mark your finger there. Luke 6, verses 1 through 11. But we're going to go way back, and what Luke read here just a minute ago, was from Genesis chapter 2. When God created the world, He created it in how many days? Six days. And the seventh day, He rested from His labors, is what it says. And it says, and, and God made the Sabbath a holy day. And so the Sabbath is something that we as Gentile Christians are, are pretty ignorant about. Um, there is... You see the Ten Commandments, nine out of ten of them repeated in the New Testament. The Sabbath is not repeated. And so that has led us to, to understand, and from the practices of the early Christians, they, practiced, they met on, the Lord's, on, the, on Sunday and participated in the Lord's Supper on Sunday, and that's very, very clear from, from the early times. And so for most of us, we've just not... That Sabbath is something that's way back there somewhere and, and maybe doesn't have a tremendous amount of importance to us in what we do day in, day out. I think that's, I'm just speaking about, that's, I think that's the context we live in. And so the origin to what Luke just read here a minute ago in Genesis chapter 2 is, goes back to creation. Creating the world in six days, seventh day God rested. And so when the Israelites became a people, you go to Exodus chapter 20 and you see something here. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. And this is the Ten Commandments. God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. They come out of Egypt and he says, All right, here's ten things that you need to do in order to honor me. And that's just the beginning. But look at verse 8. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so this is part of the, the central understanding of what it means to follow God for the Jews. And they see this as being vitally important, is this day of, of rest, this day that is set aside, we can work hard, and we will work hard the rest of the time, but this day is holy to God. Okay, let's go and, and look a little further in Exodus chapter 31. Go ahead and turn there, Exodus chapter 31, and we see more description, and there's a lot of these descriptions that, that come out in the Old Testament. Exodus 31, I'll start reading in verse 12. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. 
Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be, you see what it says there? Put to death. Not obeying the Sabbath was a capital offense. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites, you know, for us, we're a little different in just the way, if, if we feel like if we don't work on a regular basis, we're going to be put to death. You know, that's kind of how we, we tend to operate. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in, the six, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. See, it's important, resting and finding refreshment. Then the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law and the tablets of the stone inscribed by the finger of God. And Moses comes down and they build this golden calf and, and things go awry there real quickly. But you see the importance of the Sabbath that God tells Moses here. And if we continue on, it's amazing what you see happen with the prophets, like with Jeremiah or with Isaiah. One of the great complaints that they have towards the people of Israel is you will not take a time of rest for God. You work all the time and you do not have the faith to slow down and say, we're going to keep the Sabbath and keep that as a day of rest that is dedicated to God. And, and you just desecrate it and you do whatever you want and there is no faith demonstrated in that and he says do it just, just step out of faith and see what happens see how God's going to to bless you in those ways I know that Nehemiah when you read through Nehemiah that's one of the big things that happens is Nehemiah goes back to help rebuild the walls around Jerusalem and one of the things he notices is that people are coming and going and buying and selling on the Sabbath and so he closes the gates and so these these Gentiles that live in the area cannot get into the city, so they cannot buy and sell. And finally they leave, but Nehemiah has to really work at it in order to, to get the people to understand, this is a day that's holy to the Lord. You can't mess with it. Okay, You've got to leave it holy to the Lord. Okay, So we put ourselves, we fast forward to Jesus. You have the people that have, that have know the history of Israel. They know that they have, as a people, walked down this road to being unfaithful too many times. And sometimes it had to do, a lot of times it had to do with just not keeping the Sabbath and just doing whatever we want on the Sabbath. Therefore, we're going to make sure that we go, don't go down that road again. We're going to make sure that we are really deliberate in making sure that we keep the Sabbath. Okay? So understand that what we're going to see here today with the religious leaders is it's really easy for us in our world from where we sit to look at the, the religious leaders and say, how on earth did those people get that way? They're terrible. There's, they're just horrible, horrible people. And we paint this picture that is terrible. And it was. You know, some of them became so uh, traditionalized and evil that they, they um, wandered far, far away from what God's message was for them. But what I want us to understand is how they got here was from a desire to really, really honor God with the Sabbath and try to not go down the road that their ancestors had gone beforehand. Let me give you an example. And this comes from a document from this time, or shortly after this time, that talks about and tries to define what does it mean, because the big question is, okay, God says don't work on the Sabbath. Well, what does it mean to not work? 
Okay, let's define this. Let's make this clear so we understand. Do you see how we, as people, how we operate? Okay, God says don't work, but we got to figure out exactly what that means. And so I'm going to read this to you. Is this was uh, from a, again a, a writing that that came shortly after the time of Jesus. So the ideas would have been very similar. And here's what it says: the main classes of work are 40 minus one, so 39 different classifications of work. And here they are. Sowing, plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, so tying up grain, threshing, winnowing, cleansing crops, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, washing or beating or dyeing it, spinning, weaving, making two loops, weaving two threads or separating two threads, tying a knot, untying a knot, Sewing two stitches, tearing in order to sew two stitches. Ah, well, this is this is a good one. Hunting a, a gazelle. Okay, that's work. Hunting a gazelle. Sorry, Lane. No hunting gazelles, man. Not on the Sabbath. Slaughtering or flay, flaying or salting it or curing its skin. So no tanning on the Sabbath. Scraping it or cutting it up. Writing two letters. Erasing in order to write two letters. Building. Pulling down, putting out a fire, lighting a fire, striking with a hammer, and taking anything from one place to another. These are the main classes of work, 40 minus 1. So the people of Jesus' day and before and after, what they're trying to figure out is our people have really blown it with not obeying the Sabbath. So we're going to really try to figure out and understand what this means to not work on the Sabbath. So we're going to make a list of all these things that we can't do on the Sabbath. And so when you look at that list, I can understand how they got there. They're trying to teach people, point by point by point, these are the things you don't do. This is work that we do, and let's make sure that we don't do that work on the Sabbath so that we can keep this holy, so that we can keep focused, we can keep what's most important, uh, and we can keep God in the center of our lives. And so that's how they ended up at this spot. Okay? It was not from a, a place of trying to, to be deceptive or just trying to be faithful. I think really that's where they came from. So let's go to Luke chapter 6, and that's the context that we find ourselves in here. In Luke chapter 6, and remember last week, he kind of stirred the pot a bit because he goes and he eats with these tax collectors and sinners. And the religious leaders wrestle with that. How do you do that? Because you eat with these people, you know what they do, and if you eat with them, that means you're approving of it. And that's not okay. And Jesus' point is, hey, these are the people that are sick. These are the people that need me. Therefore, I will be with them. And look at chapter 6, verse 1. Right on the tails of that, this is what happens. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he, was, he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he gave, also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So there are four Sabbath controversy stories in Luke, and we'll see the first two of them today. The disciples go through this field, pick up grain, and they do this. Now, how many of you have been in a place where you've done that? You pick up grain, and you do this, and what happens? The chaff comes off it, 
you can blow the chaff, and then you eat the grain. So it, uh, it, pretty natural. If you walk through a field, you're able to do that. And so what happens is these religious leaders come along and say, well, wait a minute, why are you working on the Sabbath? Can you not see what you're doing? Our ancestors got in trouble for this. Don't work on the Sabbath. And you know what we would expect for Jesus to say is, they didn't work on the Sabbath. This is ridiculous. You guys are, are, are way traditional. You guys are, are, are way out. That is not work. Get over it. And that's what I would expect Jesus to say, is to take them, take them issue for issue. But that isn't what Jesus does. Do you notice what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, no, they didn't violate the Sabbath. What he does is he goes back to David, and what he's referring to is 1 Samuel chapter 21. When David is running from Saul, running for his life, he comes to the priests at Nob. And there is some bread that is there that is for the priests. You read the old law, that bread is, was specifically supposed to be given to the priests. David arrives with his men and he is hungry. And he says, do you have anything that we can eat? And one of the priests there says, well, we do have. We've just put new bread out and so we have this old bread here, which would have been for the priests. You can have that. And he gives it to David right there at that point in time. And so Jesus goes back to that story and says, wait a minute here. Okay, let's talk about violating the Sabbath here. You want to talk about violating the Sabbath? You're worried about this? David ate food that was only priests were supposed to eat. Let's go back and let's talk about that. Because David violated the Sabbath. And if you look at Matthew, because Luke doesn't record this, but Jesus, in the same story, says a little bit more in Matthew. And he mentions that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the Son of the Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And so part of, again, what, what Jesus says there in, in Matthew helps us understand a little bit about what's going on here. And he also mentions that if you would have understood this, that God desires mercy, not sacrifice, or mercy is more important than sacrifice, then you would not have accused so many people wrongly. And that's what Jesus speaks about in Matthew. So think about this. What Jesus is saying, in essence, is, okay, sure, you can make an argument saying that there is work being done here because my disciples are going through and they're, they're eating some grain as we're walking from place A to place B and that, and you're upset about that. But here, understand this, okay? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so if you would have understood that concept, all these people that you would have accused before, you wouldn't have accused. And so Jesus, and he goes further saying, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. We'll talk about that here in a second. So in essence, is what Jesus is saying is, all right, religious leaders, here's how it works, okay? Because of your desire to do the Sabbath perfectly and fulfill the Sabbath perfectly, out of a desire probably to be really faithful, what's happened is you've gone to a point that you've forgotten mercy, you've forgotten grace, and so you ultimately push people away from the Sabbath because of the way you apply it. So if Jesus would have, if they would have walked up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, we think that there's, that this, doing this violates the Sabbath, but we understand that God says don't work on the Sabbath and the way you apply that might be slightly different than how I apply it. And we're going to demonstrate grace and mercy in this. Do you think Jesus had a problem with the religious leaders in the list that they made saying this, this is, is not work or this is work? I don't think that Jesus had an issue with that in the question of conscience and how they applied it. The problem was is that they sought to apply it to everybody else without mercy. Do you see the difference there? You know, it's a big deal, the difference there. And so Jesus goes on to say, and this is something we see about 
most of the time in, in Luke, whenever there is a healing or whenever there's, there's Jesus eating at the table with somebody or, or here where Jesus is, is violating the Sabbath, if we can call it that, is that he shares something about himself. And what he shares here is the Son of Man speaking about himself. I'm Lord even of the Sabbath. And that's a big deal. Because Jesus is saying, I am more important than the Sabbath itself. So as a religious leader, that's hard to hear. Because what they're going to hear is, oh, he's, he thinks he's greater than the Sabbath, therefore he thinks he's greater than the temple, he thinks he's greater than our religious leaders, he thinks he's Oh, good night. There is no end to who this guy thinks he is. He is amazing. He thinks he just thinks he is the best thing since sizzled sausage. Definitely not pork sausage, you know, if they're Israelites here, but, you know, he's the greatest thing ever. And Jesus' response, you know, that, that's not true unless he is who he says he is. And we'll see more about the identity of Jesus coming up, but being God in the flesh that has come to, uh, to show us what God is all about. So let's continue on here, because this isn't the end of this. Let's go to verse 6. We're going to see uh, there's another Sabbath controversy here as well. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man there whose right hand was shriveled, Man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew that what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. And so again here, Jesus heals. He works on the Sabbath by their definition of what, what work is. And the religious leaders are upset, upset about this. Why can't you heal on... There's six other days you can do work. You can heal on any of those other days. Why on earth do you have to do this today? And Jesus' point is, what's lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or do evil? Let's look at the bigger principle here. Let's look at the heart of God. Is God one who wants to heal people or to allow people to remain in suffering? And what better way to heal people, what better day to heal people than on the Sabbath? To save life or destroy it? They don't say anything. The man reaches out his hand and Jesus heals him. But as a result of that, the religious leaders start looking around for a way and to execute Jesus. Uh, they are looking, what are we going to do with this guy? Because he is violating the Sabbath. And he says not only that, but he is Lord of the Sabbath. This is a big deal. What on earth are we going to do here? And we're going to see as we go on in the book of Luke, the persecution or the resistance to Jesus from the religious leaders gets heavier and heavier and stronger. And Jesus eventually walks right into the hornet's nest in Jerusalem. And it will take us a little while to get there, but we'll get there. But this is the big message that Jesus gets across to us, is I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And part of what that means, and I struggled with how to, to, to phrase this, and hopefully I've, I'll phrase this clearly and we'll talk about it here, is that when applying God's teachings, okay, just like the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Okay, so how do we do that? When applying God's teachings, practicing mercy and grace, and considering the well-being, both spiritual and physical, because you see both of those here, considering the well-being of others is essential and should influence the details of how we apply the teachings of God. Okay, very important here. And 
and the idea that he's wanting to get across, I believe, with these Sabbath controversies is you, in your desire to really be faithful to God, you have gone too far and applied applications, how these things are applied to people in such a way that you have made things a salvation issue that are not a salvation issue. And Jesus has issue with that. And so he goes into these places doing things that the, he knows the religious leaders are going to consider violating the Sabbath. And he does that to try to teach them that lesson, is that when you apply the message of God and when you apply the teachings of God, there should be mercy and grace applied in how this affects other people. Okay, so for us, what on earth does that mean for us? Because this seems so foreign, so strange for us. That God gives us teachings and commands and here's some important things to consider in all of this. Um, there is, uh, there's times for, for us to... Um, I know that um, you hear people talk about, and I talk about it with myself sometimes, um, wanting to, being someone who is black and white, you know, seeing things as right or wrong and, and not seeing a lot of gray area, which is tremendous in some aspects. Okay? It's great. When we have a desire to follow God, we want to do what he asks of us, and we want no gray area in there. We don't want any of that. We want just to, to completely and totally follow God. The problem becomes when our definition of what that application looks like becomes something that we bind on other people in a way that God has never bound on that. And when we become black and white in that sense, then we become exactly what Jesus is talking about here, is that we start moving ourselves away from following God and being God and applying that to other people and demanding that of other people. And boy, Jesus is, uh, is as far as that goes, that's not where he's at. And Jesus walks through this with the religious leaders, and what he wants them to understand is the abundant life that he is bringing. Because you can imagine, I don't ever get the impression when you read about the religious leaders that they are full of joy, love, peace, any of that in their life. I sense whenever you read about them, this angst of this desire that I have to do what everything I can in order to make sure that everyone else is following God. And what Jesus wants for them is that abundant life so they don't have to be God anymore. He doesn't want them to be God and stand in the place of God. Do you see what's happening here with Jesus? Is he wants to share with them the abundant life that he's bringing. Freedom for prisoners, freedom for the oppressed, all of this that he's talking about. And what he has to do for them to be able to have that abundant life is back off of some of their interpretations where they put themselves in the place of God. Huge, huge thing for the religious leaders to have to wrestle through here. And so let's think about this. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, because I think this concept is, is outlined here. Hebrews chapter 5. Now, how many of you, when you go through Scripture, well, let me say it differently. I'll just confess for myself here. When I go through Scripture, there's some things that I wrestle with morally because I do not see a clear, thus saith the Lord in Scripture. Okay? I, there's some things I'm just not sure what to do with. And so, how do I point to one scripture and help us lead through, how do we apply, how do we apply the message of God or the commands of God to, to situations? Can you, can you relate to what I'm talking about? Okay, sure. Because there's things that we wrestle with. There's things that we try to understand that we're not sure how to understand sometimes. So look at Hebrews chapter 5. I'll start reading in verse 11. 
He says, the writer here, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make clear to you because you are no longer trying to understand or you're slow to understand. So they've gotten comfortable. Hebrew readers have gotten comfortable. Oh, we're good. It's fine. He says in verse 12, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You should be further along spiritually than you are, and you're not. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Now, remember that phrase, teaching about righteousness. We'll come back to that. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instructions about the cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. So Jesus, or excuse me, the Hebrew writer goes here and says, all of these different things that you should have figured out at this point in time, what baptism is about, all of these different, these different issues he walks through, that isn't the tough stuff. You want to talk about going on to maturity, you want to talk about that? Let's talk about teachings of righteousness, about what righteousness is about. And the only way you get there is by constant use of God's word that trains us, in my words, to understand the heart of God. Or as Paul says in Ephesians, I pray that you will know God better. And when we know God and we know the heart of God, then what happens is we start learning to walk through life situations that may not be clear in Scripture because we understand the heart of God and He leads us through to make spirit-filled decisions that, that take into account the spiritual well-being of others in the process. And we don't apply those things in a way that eliminates people spiritually. So that's the, the big key. And before we go any further, we've got New Year's coming up. New Year's resolution, something I recommend for all of you, is, is say, I'm going to read God's Word every day and that's going to be a part of my day because I want to go on to teachings of righteousness. I want to understand what God wants for me and how to walk through life. And um, beyond just the do this, don't do that, but, but understand really the heart of God and what He wants for me. And uh, if you've never done uh, the, uh, the Bible that's arranged by F. Lagarde Smith, it's called the Daily Bible. It takes you from January 1 to December 31st all the way through the Bible in a year in chronological order. It reads like a story. If you've never done it, it's fantastic. You can find it on Amazon. You want more information, talk to me. But it's a great thing. If you don't have a plan for the new year, that's a great one to, to take on. And so coming back here, God gives us commands. Here's some important questions to ask. Okay. First of all, how do I obey these commands? Whatever command may be there, how do I obey that command? How do I, how do, I do this? How do I love my neighbors myself? Okay, <laughs> great things. How do I do that? How do, how, what, are, what are my motives? Why am I applying, applying God's teachings in this way? And how can I show mercy to others who apply this teaching differently than I may understand at this point in time? Okay. I believe that's really the heart of the issue that Jesus is, is hitting at with the, the religious leaders here and with the, the question of the Sabbath. And just think about how things would have been differently, would have worked out differently if the Pharisees of Jesus' day would have seen Jesus' disciples walking through, taking grain, going like this, and instead of, said, You're, instead of saying, you are violating the Sabbath, they would have said, hmm, we understand that to be a violation of the Sabbath. And for me and my house, we will not do this on the Sabbath. But maybe because Jesus' disciples 
are just walking from one side of the field to the other. Maybe they're walking over there. Why are they doing this? Maybe they're walking over to visit someone who is sick and to be with someone who is sick there on this day of rest. And so in order to get from here to there, they went across. And they're really not doing their jobs. They're not out fishing. They're not doing the things that they're normally doing. But they just walk through the field and they do this and they get something to eat along the way. And maybe what they're doing is a greater good because they're really not working. They're not doing their normal jobs, but they are doing something that is good. And they are applying the Sabbath just as as in a way that is just as holy and dedicated as I am. I'm just not doing this and they are. Think about how differently Jesus would have responded to the religious leaders if they would have had a heart like that. And so what this brings us to, the questions, like I I mentioned, the greatest things that, that Jesus says, the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, how? How do I do that? How do I do that day in doubt? Or love your neighbor as yourself. How do I do that? These are questions that we can ask in how we apply these, these teachings. Now, there's part of us, including myself, that right now may feel uncomfortable saying, wait a minute, Chris, you left some, there's all sorts of loose strings here. Where are our parameters? How does all this work? Because we don't want to open the door up to everybody's own interpretation is their own, and that's not godly either, and that's exactly right. There, there's, what, what Jesus is not saying here is however you want to interpret God's word, you have yours, I have mine, and it's all fine. That's good. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. But what Jesus does say here in this particular situation is, I believe he indicates, I'm going to leave some loose ends here for you to wrestle with. Okay? There's not a definitive answer in this. Doing this or not doing this, but ask these questions. Why do I obey the command of God the way I do? How am I applying this? And how can I demonstrate grace and mercy to walk through life with other people who are trying to obey the commands of God as well? I believe that's what Jesus is hitting at. And that's a great message for us because what it does is, for me, it takes me out of the driver's seat of God in deciding exactly how to apply everything that God has ever given us. And what it does is allows God to be God and for me to pursue the abundant life of Christ and continue to grow and continue to stretch and continue to understand more and more, day in, day out, what it looks like for me to apply these commands of God. And when I've... I remember I can tell you with confidence that 20 years ago I knew a whole lot more than I do now. Man, it was amazing how wise I was 20 years ago. I had some stuff dialed, I'll tell you. But it's amazing how life experiences happen, how people of faith come into your lives, how you read scripture sometimes and and see something you understand year in, year out, and then all of a sudden you read it and think, wait a minute, that does not say what I think it did. I've had those moments, and I still have those moments, and I hope I continue to have those moments till the day I die, because what that is is God continuing to work in me, continuing to change me, and continuing to help make me look more like him. And I found the more that I do that, then I can the more I can allow God to be God and work out some of those details. And I find great freedom, and I find um, great joy, and I find a much more abundant life in Christ when I submit myself to his guiding in that. And so I hope all of us, as we, we walk through this, uh, this today, the Sabbath, that we have a renewed desire to follow the commands of God, to apply those commands of God, and be gracious as we do so.
And uh, if you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head to the back, and the elders are back there and would, would love to pray with you. Let's stand and sing together.